stepping into week three of our multiplier series. If you have your books, wave your books at me. Those of you who have them, everyone else will pray for your souls. You can follow along online uh, on the app. Just download, download the app. So, so multiplying and gifting part two. Last week I taught through gifting. Uh, specifically, I taught through Ephesians chapter 4 and, and the APES model, the, the apostolic, the prophetic, the evangelist, and the shepherd, and the teacher. And this week, if I had to title this sermon something, I would title it, Step Into the Story. Step Into the Story. Now, before I get started, I have to lay some rules of the house. We kind of made a movie theme today. Everybody, everybody got your snacks? Go ahead and grab your snack bags, grab your drinks. All right, this is what we're going to do. On the count of three, we're going to open everything together. All right, you're not going to be the person in the middle of the movie that decides to open up your Skittles and they roll down the aisle. All right, so go ahead and grab your snacks, grab your drinks. On the count of three, ready, open them. One, two. Some of y'all don't listen. All right, on the count of three, ready. One, two, three, go ahead and open them up. Grab those snacks, pull them out. Hey, here's some other rules. I'll lay some other ground rules. All right, we're all adults in the room, right? I can, I can be adult-like. We're all adults in the room. You don't like it when kids spill stuff at your house, all right? Don't spill stuff at my house or God's house, not my house, all right? <laughs> Almost messed up there. But hey, no, really, if you spill something, just wait to the end of service. Wipe it up. If you drop something on the ground, make sure you pick it up. We have trash cans at the back, all right? Make sure you throw it away at the end. There's my soapbox spill. Here we go. We got our booklets. You, you keep bringing your booklets, and the Panthers keep winning. I'm going to keep praying for you to bring your booklets, and the Panthers will keep winning. Amen. If y'all can clap and scream for the Panthers, y'all better do it during worship next week. All right? So here we go. Last week, I taught in depth on the apex. This week, we're going to kind of treat this, this uh, sermon um, like we're at the movies. And we talked about multiplying through the apostolic, the prophetic, evangelist, the shepherd, and, and the teacher. So here's the cool thing about today. There's individuals across all of our locations that we were able to kind of follow, follow around that, that have this gift set. So what we've done is we've created kind of a mini docu-series of five videos of individuals within our church. Not just this location, but, but multiple other locations in the Multiply family. To take a, a look in depth to what it, what it means to actually have this gift and to put it into action. If we remember when Paul wrote in Ephesians and in Corinthians about people having spiritual gifts, he wasn't just talking about the leadership of the church. He was talking about every single person. And and the reason I believe it can feel weird or uncertain about these APES giftings is because we don't talk about it properly in the global church. So it's up to us to change that. There are functions within the body of Christ, and, and the reality of it is, Everyone sitting out in the audience, everyone that's on stage, everyone that's in the media booth, everyone that's back with kids, every single person in here has a gift. Every single person has a gift. Whether you believe you have a gift or not, that's irrelevant. God has placed gifts inside of you. So let me ask a few quick questions before we dive into, before we dive into the, uh, the movies. Let me put it this way. It's a hard question. This may be the hardest question you'll get all day. If you had to pick between only watching movies for the rest of your life or only watching Netflix for the rest of your life, which one do you choose? Shout them out. Netflix. Raise your hand if you think Netflix. The majority. Wow. Raise your hand if you think movies. Really? 
Y'all really trust Hollywood. I mean, I, I, I guess Netflix is Hollywood too. What about this? Shout some of your favorite movies or favorite series out over the past year that you watched. Braveheart. Somebody just watched Braveheart. <laughs> Pray for you. New Amsterdam? Friday, I just finished Friday Night Lights. I love Friday Night Lights. How to get away with murder. We're going to pray for you at the altars after service. <laughs> the guy at the back. Everybody turns around like, I don't want him behind me. <laughs> what, about, what about another movie? Any other movies? Tombstone. Good. To, hey, here, my father-in-law is going to scream for that. Here, here's a fun fact about Tombstone. Uh, I asked my, my father-in-law when I met him, had a mustache. I said, Tom, how long have you had long have you had that mustache? And it wasn't just like a little mustache. It was like a caterpillar. Like it was huge on his lip. He was like, I don't know. When did, uh, when did Tombstone come out? <laughs> like that's how, long he had a, that's how long he had a mustache. We actually got him to shave it about four years ago. Praise God. <laughs> hey, wh- what, about, what about favorite genre? Where's my action, action movie people? Action movie? Yeah? Yeah? Where, where's my chick flick people? I'm an, I am unashamedly a chick flick person. I love some chick flicks. Judge me. I don't care. Where's, where's like my horror movies? Who likes horror movies? Again, we will pray for your soul at the end of, like I can't let that into my life. I was talking with some people before service. There's some scary movies that I've tried to watch like as a kid and man, I've tried to watch them three or four times. Uh, one of them is Strangers. Is that the name of the movie that we talked about? I've tried to watch that like four minutes in, can't do it. I don't need like that type of energy in my life. Like I'm not, I can't, I cannot do the scary movie thing. I'm a firm believer that you can tell a lot about a person if you know their favorite movie. So I asked some of the staff, I said, hey, what's, what's your favorite movie? And, and Paul, your answer, it's a solid one. I, I mean, like, I have a different level of respect for you because of your movie. But what, what's your favorite movie, Paul? Goodfellas. Goodfellas. Paul, Paul likes some Goodfellas. Uh, Megan said Twister. Brittany, yours confused me because when I watched this movie, I was like sad and mad and happy all at the same time. But you said Free Willy? Um, that was like out of left field. Was not expecting that one. All right. Uh, Justin, you said to end all wars. Uh, to be honest with you, I've never seen it. Uh, Nicole Cinderella. Nicole, uh, she's with the kids today, right? Nicole Cinderella. I think it was like the musical Cinderella as well. Um, babe, you said Jumanji, but I'm going to veto that. Um, because every year at Christmas, all you want to do is watch Elf, and you want to quote, like, we can't watch Elf because you're. It's a seasonal thing. Yeah, but here's the deal we can't, we can't watch it because she's quoting it the whole time. So like that has to be that has to be her favorite movie. I mean my my uh, maybe top two. There's a few more that I could throw in there, but if I had to narrow it down to two, uh, my first one would be Boondock Saints. I don't know if you ever seen that one. Don't judge me. All right. Um, and then uh, my second one or at the top would be Shawshank Redemption. I mean I I love I love Shawshank Redemption. But but here here's a fun fact. Time out. I didn't open my drink. There we go. Uh, <laughs> be the guy. Here's a fun fact. When I was in college, um, for a semester, I was actually a film major. I went down to Southeastern University, and, and my first semester, there's another one. My first semester, I was a, a theater major. Uh, that didn't last too long because they realized I couldn't sing. I can act. I can dance a little bit. Could not sing. Uh, so I decided to move into film. And, and for that semester, I loved taking, I loved taking my film classes. And this is what I, this is what I learned. There's three ways that you can watch a movie. Now, now, the first way that you can watch a movie is you can be a critic. Uh, anybody ever critique films? Because I do. I mean, I have a tendency to be a critic. 
I, I can sit back and, and watch a Netflix series or I can watch a movie and I can be like, oh man, that didn't really align the way that I, I thought it was going to. Or man, if they would have just made this character act this way or just say this thing, then maybe it would have been more efficient towards the end of the movie. I sit back and I look at the lighting and, and the song choice or the soundtrack and, and I begin to become a critic of the movie or the film. The other way that you can watch a movie is just to be entertained. But the problem with being entertained is you don't leave changed. Y- y'all have those movies that you've watched before? You go to the movie theater or you turn it on the TV and, and you're watching the movie, but you're on your phone, you're checking your email, you're answering text messages, you're doing whatever it is other than watching the movie. And when you leave, you're thinking, ah, that was a, a decent movie, I guess, or maybe it was even a good movie but you were just entertained. The other way that you can watch a movie is to step into the story. To see yourself within the movie. To see yourself within the show. I don't know about you, but I, but I do this quite often. If it's a movie with action, I'm like the one racing the car, right? I'm the one firing the shot. If it's a sports movie, I'm the one making the catch. Y'all remember the movie Warrior? In Warrior, I wanted to be Tom Hardy. You remember the movie Fury? In Fury, I wanted to be Brad Pitt. In Lion King, I remember this as a kid. In Lion King, I wanted so badly when I first watched Lion King to be Mufasa. But then the buffalo thing happened. And I was like, I can't die in the middle of the movie. I, I got to change my characters. Like, I need, I need to be Simba. But, but I could see myself in the movie. There's also three ways you can attend church. The first way is you can be a critic. The, the first way is you can come into the parking lot and you can go, oh man, there's not, there's not enough parking close enough to the building. You, you can be a critic and you can walk in and, and you can go, oh, well, they, they don't have what, what I like. Or, or, man, I didn't really like the music this morning. Or, or I didn't really like the pastor's message. Or, or I think they should do kids check-in this way. Or I think they should do that this way. And you can just become a critic of the church. The other way you can come to church is just to be entertained. Oh, I like, I like the worship, so I'm going to listen to it. The pastor's decent, and I, I like what he has to say. I like his illustrations, and, and I like the scripture that he uses. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to listen, him, listen to him, but, but I'm really not going to follow it after Sunday. I'm just going to be entertained on a Sunday morning, and I'm going to check the box, and as long as I can feel entertained long enough to sit there for 30 minutes or an hour, then I'll come back, and I'll be entertained again and again and again. But, but the third way, the third way to attend church is to step into the story. And this is what I know is that the Bible is the only book you can read and actually become a character. You're not reading history as a critic. You're not reading literature to discuss it with friends. You're not reading poetry to be enlightened. You're reading God's story and you get to step into the story. Last week we talked about Apest and we talked about the gifting. And this week we're going to discover your gifting. What has God placed inside of you? Who has God called you to be? So ask yourself, just in your own mind, what's my gifting? What's what's my calling? 
And as we watch these videos, you're going to be able to pick out maybe one or two that resonate with your soul a bit more than others. And that's going to begin to tell you and lay the foundation with who God has called you to be. Let's kick it to the first clip. Every culture has a status quo, norms that everyone has come to accept. While we sit idly by in everyday life, there are those who see more, who see past what is and peer into what could be. We need these disruptors to lean into God-sized dreams and pave the way for what God has next. I love to like, you know, help anywhere I can where I see the gap, like just try to make a difference or, or just help towards making a good impact in this world because there's so much need. I think it's Colossians 3.23 that says, whatever you do, do it for the Lord and not for human masters. And I love that because it kind of goes back to, to like living your everyday life. Like, what do you, what do you love? I just got really stuck having your camera there. Like, I, I'm trying to ignore it. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm Carolina Brown. I um, been in Charlotte for about four years now. Um, I have, I am married. I have one son, who is three and a half years old now. And I am also an entrepreneur, etc. Entonces, sí, es es la verdad algo que estoy muy agradecida el día de hoy. Soy Carolina y pauso por ahora. I am Colombian. Originally, I came to this country when I was eleven. It was um, Pablo Escobar years, where things were being bombed everywhere. And as a child, I remember being, a, you know, we had a house, had balconies. And so when, where soccer is so big in, in Latin America, so we would go out on the balcony and celebrate. You know, my dad would take out even like the, the lids for the, the pans and like go and celebrate. And um, before you know it, then all of a sudden they just started driving by and shooting. So as a little kid, you know, knocking, you have to, it, it becomes part of your norm. Get on the floor and crawl back inside. And so because of the, the problems in Colombia, my mom and dad would travel back and forth, um, especially my mom. And then eventually they moved to the U.S. So I waited there for a couple years with my two sisters. And when they got settled, my mom went back to get me. To me, it was like, Oh, a new heaven, right? And like, it was the first time I experienced like being able to be a kid. And, and, and I think I look back now and if it wasn't for their circumstances when I was little of my childhood, I don't think I would be where I'm at today. And I don't think I would have the resiliency that I have today. For a very long time, I've been kind of asking God to show me what my purpose in life is. For, for a while there, I was trying different businesses and I, I would always say, this is it, this is it, because I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. But different pivots kind of came in the middle of it and I wasn't able to, to per, keep pursuing it. And I always thought that, okay, well, maybe I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Then as I learned more about gifts and talents, that was very freeing to me because it was like, oh, I have, I have a talent. Oh, this is a gift. Oh, it's a talent that God gave me. Then I'm going to use it. 
In the wake of wins and losses, Carolina saw opportunities to use her entrepreneurial spirit to lift up other women, starting multiple groups for Spanish-speaking women in business. You know, I prayed about it and I asked God to use me. He has been using me in many different ways and has brought, up, brought in some amazing people into my life to either encourage me, motivate me, or brought people that I can, that I can assist with in, in many different ways. With the knowledge that I've gained through these businesses that I've started in the past that didn't work out for one reason or another. I don't think it's so much the entrepreneurship. I think it's our purpose. Why are we doing it, right? For as long as you have the mentality that we're doing this for a bigger reason, I think the entrepreneurship is just how it, how he, what he's used to drive me to build the kingdom of God based on like my talents. I don't think it's so much what we do. It's for what reason are we doing it? It's our why. What's your why? So let me kick it back to you and, and ask a question. Like You don't have to answer these out loud, but, but how did you see Carolina as operating in the apostolic in the marketplace? If you take a look at your books on page number seven, let me fill in two different blanks for you. What's another word or two other words for apostolic, what we would call entrepreneurs or innovators. And then let's take a look at Jesus as the apostles. Jesus was the sent one, sent by the Father to establish and expand the kingdom of God. All of these notes are in your book. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says this, fix your thoughts on Jesus whom we acknowledge as our apostle. Biblical example of this would be Paul. But, but let me ask you this, who has the gift in the room? Man, are, are you the idea person? Do you love to start new things? If, if I had to take this test, again, my, my highest on this test, and I'll get to that at the end, is, is the apostolic gift set. Man, I, I love to start new things. I, I love to see what could be. Another person in the room that I know has this gift set as one of my best friends in this area is, is Josh Randall's. Josh, you have so many ideas, you created a website for them so you wouldn't forget them. But, but you have these ideas and, and you, just be, you begin to dream of what could be. There's other people in the room that you're entrepreneurs yourself. If, if I were to ask you, hey, do you have the apostolic gift? You would probably be like, I don't even know what that is. But if I asked you, hey, are you an entrepreneur? Are you an innovator? Do you like to start new things? Your immediate response would be, man, I feel that in my soul. Your immediate response would be, I, I, think, I think that's me. Now, here's some weaknesses that that gift set can bring. They can't discern between good ideas and God ideas. Another one is they tend to have little patience with needy people or those who won't get on board. It's probably one of my biggest weaknesses in the world. Let's talk about it a, a bit further. How can God use what you have built or want to build to expand God's kingdom? 
Did you, did you hear Carolina's words? It's not about what I'm starting. It's not about what I'm doing, but it's how it's impacting the kingdom of God. How can your workplace point people to Jesus? Let's go to video number two and take a look at the prophetic. There are over 424,000 foster youth in the United States. 20,000 youth age out of the foster care system annually. In the middle of these staggering numbers, each child has a name, a face, and a story. This is a problem that affects every neighborhood in every city that needs a solution. Testing, testing. My name is Lisandra Tavares. I am Dominican, single mom of two kids, Anais and Angel. We are serving at Multiply Espanol. I am working with the youth. I've been working with the youth for about six years now. We're human, we sin, we fail, we do things wrong. And I think it's such a beautiful thing for us to come before the Lord and just take a few minutes and just surrender that week and surrender the humanity in us at his feet and say, Lord. When I started with the youth, I wanted to get them active in the community, community serving. So I started finding different locations and places where the kids can serve, where we can serve as a group. And we started serving at the Salvation Army, feeding the homeless. And then I found a foster care agency in Charlotte and we started helping them at their different events. And we did it for about four years. And my kids loved that event. And we enjoyed being around the kids and loving on them, talking to the foster parents, praying with them, um, just connecting. And now we're foster parents and we're loving it. Lissandra, hearing the problem, decided to open up her home and her family to bring change, starting with one. What keeps me going in the hard times uh, with fostering is just the thought of they don't have what I had when I was growing up. They've had such a hard life and such bad experiences. And to think that we can imprint their lives just a little and teach them what love is, how to love, how to be kind, how to hug. That's everything, everything. My response when I see brokenness is to jump in, to wanna help, to wanna do whatever I can to if, if there's hurting to love on the hurting, I just wanna try to help fill gaps and help out in any way that I can. So when we take a look at the prophetic, how did you see Lysandra as operating in the prophetic in the marketplace? 
the reality is she saw the hurt and she saw the need. If you take a look on page 8, what are two other words? It's a seer or a reformer. Think of Jesus as the prophet. Jesus is the ultimate prophet, connecting with the Father vertically and then communicating his love horizontally. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 says this, Do not think I have come to abolish the law of the prophets, but to fulfill them. Another biblical example would be John the Baptist. Let me ask the question, who has the gift in the room? Do you see what others don't? Do you see and hear God in the things around you? There's two individuals that I know have this gift, and, and the first one would be Miss Jean King. Many of you are kind of nodding your head yes, and, and I think Miss Jean is with, with our kids today, but, but man, Miss Jean has, has come to me and told me about dreams that he, she has or, or the direction that she feels like God is leading us, and there's things that always happen behind the scenes in an organization that people don't always know about, but Miss Jean has spoken to, directly to many of the things of the future that we're planning with Multiply Church. Uh, another individual that I know has this gift is Miss Audrey. Just a dream that she shared with me recently. There are individuals that have that prophetic gift set in the room, but this can be some of the weaknesses. They think they're the only ones who really get it. They might jump from church to church because they keep finding problems in each. They can be intense and demanding. And they tend to isolate themselves or only associate with those who think like them. We have to be aware of some of the pitfalls. So let's think about it a little more in depth. How can you call people back to God's faithfulness? If you have that gift set in the room, how can you fully step into it? Well, pause there. and Let's take a look at the evangelistic gift. Nothing connects people to each other quite like stories do. Story is the thread that runs through all of our lives, regardless of where we've come from or where we're headed. Unfortunately, there are some who still have yet to hear the greatest story ever told. So the question is, who will go out and be the storytellers? Practice round. <laughs> yeah. That one's it. Let's see if we can get it. <laughs> I did it. It's a terrible part. Okay. My name is Hersan Ramirez. I am 25 years old. I have a son. His name's Leo. He is six going on seven, and currently I attend Southeastern University in Concord. What's up, Mom? <laughs> Sorry, <folks. laughs> when I first started playing disc golf in 2019, I was invited to a small group by a couple friends. What I love about it the most is it's an outlet for me. Coming out of the Marines in 2018, I had problems struggling with you know, PTSD and just all sorts of stress, but with disc golf, it gave me an opportunity to just grab the plastic and be aggressive with it, but also throw it. So it just took my mind off of a lot of the things, but being in a community with people that aren't perfect, that's what Jesus did. You know, he 
met with people exactly where they were, people that weren't perfect. So I, I think it's a great opportunity to just be able to be with people and then do the same thing that you love while loving Jesus. So from the zone. <laughs> it's like playing horse, but with discs. Okay, okay. In 2018, my life was, it just felt like I was at the bottom of myself, right? You know, I've had friends, especially in the military, that, you know, they've committed suicide, right? They're not here anymore. And at a point in my life, I thought I was going down that path. And I just remember someone sharing, you know, like a YouTube video with me. At the time, I had no relationship with the Lord. I was like, I'm not watching it, I refused. And when I got to the bottom of myself, all I did was watch that video. That's when I started pursuing the Lord. Like, and if it wasn't for Jesus, I would not be standing here, you know? So I wanna be able to make a difference in someone's life. I wanna be able to help people find that same exact freedom. Her son would never forget this moment, the moment where the story of Jesus changed his own story. He does all in his power to see that story told and used to change the lives of those around him. I use a four-letter acronym, ESPN. E stands for encouragement, so I would encourage them. Scripture is the S, right? So ES. P is prayer. How can I pray for you, right? N is next steps. So are they plugged into a church, right? Are they, do they have a relationship with Jesus? Those are the four things that I would kind of share with them. That's something that, you know, I use as the foundation of, especially with the disc golf, you know, like, okay, how can I encourage this person? What is it, God, that I can say to this person from your word, not mine? What can I say, right? How can I pray for this person? And then what is it that I can do next to either help them, bring them closer to you, or, you know, help them better their lives? But for me, I figured out that I didn't have to be enclosed into a building. I could take the things that I was taking on Sunday and then use it in my everyday life. So when I would come out to a course, I would look for a person that was by themselves. You know, I would find them and I would just talk to them. Even if I didn't know them, I would just be like, hey, you know, what's your name? You know, how long have you been playing disc golf? And I would leave it at that. Once they would start opening up to me, they would return the same questions. They'd be like, where'd you learn to play? Perfect. I was invited to a small group and I would just instantly just plant that seed. And that was just the opportunity to, you know, just begin to tell them about how Jesus changed my life. You know, I used um, disc golf and, you know, the discipleship methods to pretty much you know, tell the gospel on a field that, you know, just might not look the same as what other people would deem. So the evangelistic, how did you see Herson as operating in the evangelizing in the marketplace? Two, two other words that we can use to describe the evangelistic is gatherer and storyteller. There, there's many people in the room that you like to gather groups of people. You like to tell a story. Take a look at Jesus as the evangelist. Jesus himself was the good news. Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus called out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Other biblical examples would be Philip and Andrew. Philip was always leading people to Jesus and Andrew was actually the one always bringing people to Jesus. We need both. So who in the room is a gatherer? Who in the room is a bringer? When I take the test, this is actually my second highest, but, but I also mentioned two other individuals earlier today. 
Chaz and Jana. They're gathering people in their small groups. I think of Matt and Amber Hudson. We had our family day, and they literally brought 10 people to church. They have their own weaknesses. Sometimes in their excitement to make connections and meet new people, they can neglect depth in their relationships and end up with a thousand shallow friendships. Or something along the lines of they are great at introducing others to Christ, but are not great at discipling them. Let me ask you these questions. Who are you sharing Christ with? When's the last time you shared Christ with someone? Really think about that for a second. When's the last time you've shared the love and the grace and the forgiveness that you found with someone else? Let's take a look at our shepherding video. Life has left its mark on all of us. None of us are strangers to the likes of pain and hurt. It wouldn't take long for us to find someone who's currently walking through a season of hurt. Hurt abounds. Even still, there are some who look to hurt and pain and see beyond the despair of the moment. There are those who see to the other side and graciously walk with us as we get there. Will you ready to get checked out? See if we can't make you feel better? I like your unicorn. <laughs> yeah. Susie? Uh, Susie the unicorn's a good name. I like that. <laughs> All right. Would well, you want to come sit right here for me? Uh, well, my name is Dr. Zach Cook. I'm a chiropractor. Uh, I've been a chiropractor for a little over a year and a half now. Um, I'm married. Uh, to my wonderful wife, Melissa. I have two beautiful young boys, uh, Dawson and Kaden. Everything good with you and the wifey? Oh, yeah. You guys still doing good? Yeah. So I realized I wanted to care for people from a very young age. I think I have my mom to thank for that. Whether it was uh, a stray animal that came up to the house or whether it was a neighbor that needed help, my mom was always the person to try to care for them. And so at a young age, I think that that was woven into my character to care for people. And so as I became older and chiropractic became an option as being a career choice for me, uh, it just seemed to be such a good fit. Chiropractic and caring for people just seemed to be like, uh, go together like peas and carrots. Good. That works. Well, I'll continue to be praying for you guys, okay? And, uh... Zach would come to realize that his care for people's bodies, while important, wasn't enough. What I love most about what I do actually has two parts to it. There's a physical part that I love and a spiritual part that I love. Uh, the physical part is, is that we see people every single day that come into us that they're hurting and they're suffering and they've been this way maybe even for, for years. And they're looking for help, they're looking for a shred of hope that they don't have to live this way forever. And I get to have a part in helping them to heal and to help give them their lives back and give them their quality of life back. But there's a spiritual side that I love about my job, and that is that we get to help people that are spiritually broken as well. So every day before I see my patients, I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me and to give me uh, wisdom and discernment and insight as to how my day or my interactions with my patients should go so that uh, He would guide my hands to do what needs to be done. And 
guide my lips to say what needs to be said. Uh, because one thing that I know is that the Holy Spirit can do more through me being just obedient to Him in the five to ten minutes I get with a patient uh, than I could do on my own in 50 days. Though I, I do everything I can in the physical to help people live lives that I believe God has called us to, one that is free of sickness and disease, ultimately the physical is fading. Even the best doctors in the world, we can't stop uh, people from, from dying and eventually one day uh, we're going to meet our Creator. If we can bring Jesus into the situation and we attach eternity uh, to that encounter we had with that individual or individuals and so the best thing I can do for my patients is to make sure that they know their Creator and they know that they're God and that there is a God who loves them and is seeking after them and is pursuing them. And what, what I love about Zach's story is how intentional he is in his everyday life. Let me get through these kind of quickly. Two words that we can substitute for shepherding would be caretaker and healer. Jesus, the shepherd, John chapter 10, verse 14, he himself said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. If you're in the room, let me ask, you, ask it to you like this. Are you the parent in the group? Are you the person that's always calling and checking up on people? Are you the person that when you go on a road trip, you're the one that packs the snack bag? You, you know what I'm talking about? That's my wife. Man, man, my, my wife is the shepherd. She takes care of our family. It's also individuals like Megan Oswald and Brian King. But, but some of their weaknesses can be this. In their care for individual people, they can lose track of the bigger picture of the mission. They can take up others' offenses, especially towards authority figures. They assume and... Any, a new, they assume any new initiative that will potentially cause discomfort for people must be bad and will oppose it in a knee-jerk fashion. So let's think about it on a deeper level. How are you caring for people? I mean, I think what our church does phenomenally is anytime a family member is sick or, or someone is in the hospital or there's a birthday or a wedding or, or anything, we're always taking care of people. Let's take a look at our last video on teaching. All of us are shaped by the things we've been taught. The power in teaching is unfathomable as it forms the world around us. The world does not move without the passing on of information. Behind the shaping of our world are those strong enough to do more than learn, those who guide us. so many friends okay so first let's do this let me get all of my friends to grab a seat so that I can make sure my name is Jessica Clark I am a teacher I've been teaching for 16 years I'm entering my 16th year um, I am a wife my husband's name is James I have a son named Bryson who's 11 my daughter is 9 and her name is Rachel uh, my mom and dad married pretty young. Um, I don't remember exactly when it started, but my dad had um, a substance abuse problem with crack and cocaine. Um, he held down a job, but he would you know, use money to buy the drugs that he needed. And then if he didn't have the money, my mom was holding on to 
money for rent and bills and things like that. And so there was physical abuse between my mom and dad because my mom held the money, my dad wanted the money. And so he would just kind of knock my mom around until she gave him the money. Uh, when my parents grew up, they were forced to go to church as kids and they hated it. And they didn't want to force beliefs on us. I was never in fellowship in church with them. So growing up, uh, my first experience in church was with my music teacher. Her name um, is Adele Staten. Um, she took me to church when I was in second grade. That is the day that I remember wanting to be a teacher and I've held on to that my whole life. If she hadn't took me to church, I don't know if I would necessarily even be a follower of Jesus because not only did she take me to church, but she was a good role model for me growing up and she still is. Marked by Adele Staten's compassion, Jessica would go on to become a teacher, both professionally and in her everyday life. To this day, God uses her to guide the next generation. It doesn't matter what I do in here on Sundays. If you see me on a Friday and I'm not doing the right thing and I'm not showing God's love, right? The key to successful teaching is relationships. Your relationships matter more than anything. When you come into my classroom, you are my student. Um, but not just my student, like you are my kid. And that's super important to me. Uh, the relationships that I build with my kids is the most important. More important than anything that I teach them. It, there's a quote, I don't remember who said it, but it's teaching is not the feeling of the pale, but the lighting of a fire. Um, and that is what I believe wholeheartedly. If you can inspire a kid to want to know things and show them how to go about finding out things, um, that's where real learning happens. It's, it's my job to not only be a role model in my classroom, but also in my life. Um, lots of people think that that's kind of unfair because you know, you're kind of always on the job, but I think that that's kind of the job that you should sign up for as a teacher. Um, it's not a job that stops. It's not, you can't punch a clock and be done as a teacher. I'm a teacher all the time. It is who I am. It's in my DNA. Um, it's not just a job for me, it's my identity. Man, can we give it up for Miss Jessica and all of our other teachers? She's back in the back shaking her head. Hey, you, you deserve it. You de uh, listen, can I speak directly to you for a second? I, I can kind of see you. Our kids are better because of what you teach them in the classrooms. Listen, our society is better because of teachers like you in the classroom, not afraid to proclaim the name of Jesus. We're better because of you. Take a look at Jesus, the teacher, Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. It's who he was. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat and he sat out on the lake. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parables and his teaching. I mean, in the room, are you hungry to learn? Are you passionate to communicate what you've learned? Again, we, we called out, called out Miss Jessica. Paul, I can even call you out on this one. And you love to teach people things. I, I love watching you teach people music, stuff that I don't understand. Michelle, I, I don't know if you're in the room. Michelle, there she is. Hello. You're a fantastic teacher. The, the way that you dive into nutrition and you just soak it all in, but then you share knowledge to help people live better lives. It's, it's who you are. It's embedded inside of you. You're a teacher. 
You, you guys can read the weaknesses. You can read the other questions. But, but I have to get to this closing. Let's talk about how we can put this stuff into action. You have to ask yourself, what is my ministry in the house of God? You have to ask yourself, what is God calling me to do in the marketplace? Listen, you can read all of the next steps, but, but I'll put it this way. If you want to take the APES test, it's our hope that every single person in this room would take this test. To find out who you are, to find out your makeup, to find out who God's calling you to be. Listen, if you want to take the test, we're going to pay for it. All you need to do is email me. I think that my email is on the screen. If not, it's zwit at multiply.church. Zwit at multiply.church. Write that down in your booklet. Shoot me an email. We want you to take this test. There's some stuff that we're going to read as a church and we're going to go through in three weeks when you get that X box. One of the books that's in that box is going to be X, Multiply Your God-Given Potential by John Brevere. There's our, our staff has already read through it. There's several individuals and groups that have already read through it, but we want to place that literature in every single person's hands because it's that important to us. It's that important to the kingdom of God that you know who you are. I want to end with this. I want to end with the hero's journey. In literature and in film, there's often this thing called the hero's journey. And within that journey, there's something called the crossing of the threshold. Let me read this to you. Crossing the threshold signifies that the hero has finally committed to the journey. They are prepared to cross the gateway that separates the ordinary world from the special world. The crossing may require more than accepting one's fears, a map, or a swift kick in the rear from a mentor. But the hero must confront an event that forces them to commit to entering into the special world from which there is no turning back. Let me give you some movie examples. In The Wizard of Oz, it's Dorothy saying we're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. In The Matrix, it's the decision between the blue pill and the red pill. In Star Wars, it's Luke leaving his home planet. In The Chronicles of Narnia, it's the kids walking through the wardrobe. But what about in Scripture? In Scripture, it's David making the decision to step onto the battlefield. In Scripture, it's Esther as she steps into the king's court. It's Moses as he stands before Pharaoh. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refusing to bow. But here's the call. Let me pull one of those illustrations. Let's take the Matrix, for example. Morpheus is speaking to Neo, and if you've seen the movies, you've seen the scene. But, but let me read what Morpheus says to Neo. This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, and the story ends. You wake up in your bed, and you believe whatever you want to. You take the red pill, and you stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Remember, all I'm offering is truth and nothing more. Church, today you have to make a choice. Listen, you can ignore what the Spirit of God has revealed through His Word. You can ignore the gift set that you have inside of you and you can leave here, you can go to lunch, you can watch some football and you can wake up tomorrow morning and carry on life as normal. It's one of my biggest fears as a pastor that you would just go back to normal. 
It's one of my biggest fears leading this church that we would just fall into a status quo, that we would just fall into the rhythms of being a consumer. Or you can choose to walk in your God-given identity. So I'm not promising you it's going to be easy. In fact, it's not going to be easy. It's going to take you listening and hearing from God himself and through his word. It's going to take discipline to obey. But there is a world beyond comparison waiting for someone like you to step into their calling. The last few weeks and few months, man, man, Piper... It's emotional when your daughter grows up and all the dads in the room that have daughters said amen. Like it's, it's emotional. But, but one thing that I noticed is Piper is saying I'm sorry for absolutely everything. Right? And when she doesn't listen, she thinks that she can just say I'm sorry to get out of trouble. Right, right. So, so what happens is, man, when she was growing up, I'm like the dad that like, you say, I'm sorry, it's okay. I'm going to pick you up and everything's going to be okay. But, but a couple of days ago, sat down on the couch and, and I said, Piper, like, hey, don't put your drink on the couch. If you put your drink on the couch, it's going to spill over. And if it spills, it's going to go everywhere. Let's not make a mess. And what does she do? She puts it on the couch and, and it spills over. And, and she knew what she was doing while she was doing it. She knew she was deliberately disobeying me, and it almost became like this game, like, let me see how far I can push that. And then when it spilled, it went all over me, all over the couch, and all over her, and her immediate response was, Dad, I'm sorry. So in that moment, I'm sorry didn't work. Because she knew what she was doing wrong. I think we treat our relationship with Jesus like that sometimes. Jesus says, hey, step into your calling. Hey, Jesus, I'm sorry. I can't share your love and your grace and your forgiveness with, with the people at work because I have this deadline. Jesus, I know you've placed this gifting inside of me, but I'm sorry. It's going to take, take too much sacrifice for me to step into right now. Jesus, I know that you're calling me to do this. I know who you've called me to be, but I'm sorry. It just doesn't align with the plan that I have for my life. I'm sorry, Jesus. I'll get to it eventually. I'm sorry, but but those gifts that you have inside of me, I don't know if I want to step into them. Because if I step into them, I'm crossing this threshold. And if I step into them, that means I have to live my life like that day in and day out. And I have to commit to following you with everything that I have. Pastor, is that what you're saying? I, I have to follow Jesus with everything? Absolutely. Stop playing church. Stop limping in here on a Sunday morning and just acting like everything can be okay. I want you to take a hold of what God has put inside of you. So as we step into this song, as we step into worship, why are we going back into it? Listen, here's the challenge. Here's the call. Don't stand up if you don't believe it. But if you're willing to commit your life to Jesus, if you're willing to say whatever's inside of me, I'll use it for the kingdom of God. Whether it be the apostolic, whether it be the prophetic or the evangelist or the teacher or the shepherd, whatever 